Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. Welcome back. Welcome in Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. Welcome in Chris Anderson. Chris, were you in space this morning? I was not in space. Huh. Uh, I have not made that trip. I did not, uh, I'm blanking on the other name, but uh, did not speed up my trip plan so that I could be the first uh, civilian into space. Uh, like, uh, what's the, the Virgin guy, Virgin Galactic guy? Branson. Um, Branson, that's right. I, I liked how he didn't want to be second, so he sped up his trip so that he could try to be first. Um, I did not do that. Uh, have not fueled up the Ear Sports jet rocket to go to space. No. Um, point of clarity here, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. They were calling him like astronaut Bezos. Is that guy an astronaut? I don't think so. Uh, not to. This is not a uh, meant to be a plug for one of our sister sites on the CBS Interactive family, but over at comicbook.com. Uh, I, I don't know if this was needling Bezos or, or whatever. I, I like the title on their story of Bezos completes trip to edge of space. <laughs> like, just wanted to make it clear that he didn't actually go into space, just the edge of space. I, I don't know if that was purposeful, but, uh, I kind of like that one. Just a little bit of needling that he's not an astronaut. Just the edge of space. I'll go passenger Bezos. <laughs> I mean, he didn't get out and walk on the moon. Right. Um, Wally Funk, I'll go with astronaut, though. Like, I she, I mean, commercial astronaut is what I saw before. But, like, she's, what, 82, I think. But she's trained and has done all this stuff. I think that's, like, a valid astronaut. The 18-year-old kid, um, we'll see. I don't know. But I yeah. was... Semantics are very important. I'm getting my thesaurus and my dictionary out this year because we're so close to the start of the season and writing a whole lot that I want to make sure I had all my verbiage in. Uh, <laughs> speaking of verbiage, Chris, I sent you some DMs lately that you have not responded to, so I want to air my grievances with you right now. Okay, go for it. We have finally gotten an answer to whether or not we can get into the name, image, and likeness space. Not what we'll do or whatever, but just can we get in. Um, West Virginia's NIL policy has some prohibitions, things you can't do, people with whom you cannot work. So you can't push tobacco and alcohol and gambling services, so on and so forth. There's also some people you can't work with, and one is an athletic recruiting service. Um, 24-7 is, I'll say it, industry leader in Mm -hmm. recruiting coverage. We probably do provide some services because people get into – 
you know, they get their profiles on our network. There's a catalog of players from every recruiting class. Some of them are giving grades, stars, ratings, scouting reports, so on and so forth. Um, and it's a reference for college coaches. It, it just is. Are we like one of those people when you go to like an AAU basketball tournament and they sell you the packet with everybody's vitals and their phone numbers? No, but that's just a separate service. It's not like just one type of service. However, we write and otherwise produce a lot of content just about West Virginia sports. And we have a pretty obvious affiliation to CBS. Um, so again, write about West Virginia, work for CBS, but also on the side, do some recruiting. I, I just think we're diverse. But that recruiting thing is somewhat of an issue for West Virginia. I'm not exactly sure why. I'll get to that question sometime in the future. But I just simply asked, um, are we, Chris Anders and Mike Casaza, an athletic recruiting service? The answer is maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, you know yes. what's funny is that long before this NIL stuff, it was a muddy water for, um, let's say, some capital S sources at West Virginia under the last um, coaching staff. Like when I first early on, I'm talking like 2012 ish, 2013, like they would message me. I would get a message and it was asking a question about something and being like, are you considered a recruiting service? Are you? Cause there is a difference, as you noted, like we cover recruiting, but then there's also recruiting services who get times and weights and heights and weights and, and get names and stuff and then sell these packets and the, mm-hmm. and these, this information to schools. And we do not do that part of the recruiting service. We don't sell packets. We don't sell information directly to the schools. Um, <clears throat> there are people out there that do do that and you have to get certified by the NCAA. You have to do all this other stuff. And, and early on, I remember that was a point of, of asking us questions because in the first couple of years of me doing this, I also had to go through some NCAA like training, I guess it was. Like it wasn't a certification process, but it was a training on how to properly talk with recruits, what we're allowed to ask, what we're allowed to say, what we're allowed to do, um, so that we did not cross any lines. Now, I don't know if that was just like a 24-7 sports company policy thing or if that was mandated by the NCAA, but it kind of muddied the waters there. And there were questions long before the NIL, what are we? And and like you said, we have a diversified portfolio over here. But it will not include NIL activities. No. And we've discussed me, this. On, I was, go ahead. Go ahead. Go let, ahead. Me, let me read you the definition I finally got from West Virginia. I shouldn't say finally. I asked and it came back pretty quickly. But here's what they've gotten back to you. My question just simply being we would like to know, are we – contained within that that canister of athletic recruiting service and the response was basically the definition from the university that i had not seen before so they have this obviously they copy and paste and send me the email uh, a recruiting or scouting service is defined as any individual organization entity or segment of an entity that is primarily involved in providing information about prospective student athletes that's the first sentence you could see us in there and you could see us not in there is that primarily what we do no, but that is obviously a big part of our content slash business model. I get that. Um, moving on. This definition includes, but is not limited to, which are always the dangerous words, right? Uh, the definition includes, but is not limited to, A, any service that provides information only to paid subscribers. Not us. We do free and VIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
any service that is only available to a select group of individuals, e.g. coaches, regardless of whether there is a charge associated with the service. Not us. <laughs> Here it is. C, any service that provides information to the public free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard one. <laughs> so, so why split that up into three things? Just say any service. Period. And it's like it's like the SAC, SAT, Chris. You uh, you just pick C and it's all the above. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's the one. It just covers everything there. Uh, final part. However, a recruiting or scouting service is not an individual organization, entity, or segment of an entity that, incidental to its primary purpose, provides information about prospective student athletes that is generally available to the public, e.g. news media. And that's the one I had a question with because how much of our information is generally available to the public? Um, and is that our primary purpose? I don't know. But that, that, and that whole AC thing is very tricky because yeah, paid subscribers free of charge. The, the free of charge is, is um, it sweeps up everything there too, but it would be hard for, for me to see a scenario in which they would be okay with us doing something because of the definitions they laid out there, which is fine. I don't, I don't. I can agree or disagree with the rules. I just not, I just want to know what the rules are. That's one thing too. It's not like Neil Brown, right? But I don't have a position. I just want to know what the rules are. Um, I'm kind of like that here, but I'm not sure you're going to see Ear Sports sponsoring a whole bunch of uh, players or, or teams or groups of players or position or anything based on what I just read to you. That seems probably. I wouldn't say cemented, but it's certainly mixing in the truck right now, right? Yeah, well, and not to put a damper on things, but and maybe this will lead us to the next next part of this conversation, but I don't think you're going to see anything from Ear Sports even if those rules weren't in place. Um we talked about it on the message board with some of our VIP members, kind of the the business aspect of this like we're talking uh, like we've seen some other people you know, pay some kids to cameo uh, or or put their logo on something, but What's from a business aspect, from my view of this, is like what what is the benefit to us? What's the cost, you know, the standard cost benefit analysis? And it's like, am I a person with I don't know how many followers on Twitter, but, you know, we got a reach. We have a reach. We are we have over a million page views, if you will, uh, for our site. And am I going to pay? player with one-seventh of the reach of our site, one-tenth of the reach of our site to just say our name. And again, if a kid has 2,000 followers, this was the example I gave on the board was if a player has 2,000 followers and I'm a business and it's like, hey, let's get that, get my business out in front of those 2,000 followers, except those 2,000 followers, maybe half of those are, you know, friends and family members and uh, college kids that are fans, like those are not, that's not the, uh, market that you're looking for if you're a business. You're trying to sell a product. So you need to market people who are going to buy your product or pay for your product. And that's not exactly the thing. Cause I, I, and it's, I'm not talking about anybody specific here, but I don't know about everybody else's experience in college or in high school. But when I was that age, I was debating how I could put gas in my car and buy a case of Natty Light with $14 in my bank account. So I don't think businesses were 
itching to get their name in front of my face and, and try to buy their product. So I, I'm failing to see from a news media aspect where the benefit is, where, where the benefit outweighs the cost of trying to get our name and our brand affiliated with these players. And that's no offense to these players because there are, there are ways for these players to make money and we'll talk about it, but um, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, we saw one uh, independent site uh, for Texas A&M that, God, what was the, like paying $1,000 for exclusive, $10,000 for exclusive interviews. And I mean, I'm going to laugh because as, as Mike knows, when it comes time to do interviews during a normal season, obviously this past year was a little different, but during a normal season, the uh, sports information director from the school reaches out to your standard credentialed media and says, who would you like to speak to? And you know who everybody else on that Texas A&M beat is going to pick? Those two guys that just got paid to give exclusive interviews to some other site. And I'm pretty confident that the school is going to – you know, I don't want to say force them, but they got to make them available. They can't say, sorry, they're already contractually obligated not to talk to you anymore. Um, I think the school is going to take precedent over that contract and they're going to get interviews anyway. So, again, I, I'm failing to see where I would spend my money on this from my side of things, from our sites kind of thing. But there are other ways, but just not from our side of things. Let's, I'll get to the other way in a second and the other DM that you did not respond to me about that I've just been waiting breathlessly on. Your <laughs> well, when you use all those big words and, and legal mumbo jumbo, am I, how am I supposed to respond to that stuff? Well, well, this isn't even a big word that we'll get to, I promise. But anyways, the I, yeah, you're right. Advertising for our site, we don't really need. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not sure how many players would be on our site or would or how many like a player's constituency, like like college kids or their friends or family or whatever would be coming there. Some, not a lot, but it doesn't, they don't really need that. So a, a look at me, go look at them thing doesn't really work. And and how much bourbon and Diet Coke could you buy? Never mind Natty. Diet Dr. Gas. Pepper, excuse me. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah. Oh, shame on me. <laughs> with, with that money, never mind like the advertising you can do on Facebook for cheaper with more target, a more targeted focus. And, and, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. However, the content side of it, not the advertising, the content side of it, and then your ability to, to content market would be interesting. And the $10,000 thing is, is good because I don't know how that worked. That was like a weather balloon because I did just one round of interviews before SEC media day. That's not going to be something that happens in the regular season. I think for the reasons you expressed, it's going to be hard to, to put a wall in between media that pays for access and the media that is neutral because don't forget there, there's a huge, huge ethical moral issue about, working with these players and also covering them. And that would be one position where I think we could be compromised. If, for example, we did a sponsorship with Jared Dagey and he stinks, but we have a thing where we talk to him every Monday for a story, there'd be some awkward Mondays sometimes, right? So that's just a strange thing we can do. Um, But there's still a way you can do stuff. And this is where I want to, I want to get to something here. The NIL policy is a little vague. And the word I want to talk about that you mentioned is should student athletes should disclose mm-hmm. all name, image, and likeness activities? Blah 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 blah. All non-institutional name, image, and likeness activities should be reported. The institution, the institution should vet and approve the requested activities. The student athlete should provide written updates. 
Should does not mean must. We love to bend the rules, Chris. What if we just like back channel, back alleyed? Have some like a, lo- a locker room confidential. Yes, <laughs> we're just getting the the scoop, but the player should report that, but doesn't have to, and we can just pay that player for the silence. And all of a sudden, we're just knocking out scoops, and no one knows who it is. <laughs> We've got a mouse in the house, right? No one knows, but like that's that's a, a loophole, a gray area that you should be thinking about. Uh, a, a weekly blog uh, from a player using a pseudonym. I like where you're going with this, Mike. I'm sure this will go over well. It'll make even more people like us over there at WVU. That's what I heard. <laughs> As they should. Uh-huh. Speaking of name, image, and likeness in football, you want to set the table for Josh Chandler Sumito? Uh, I don't know. Cause this is kind of, in a nutshell, what we're talking about here what we have been talking about for a while, and I think what we'll be talking about for some time down the road here until this thing maybe does fizzle out and everybody comes back down to earth, like astronaut Jeff Bezos did this morning. But he's not happy. Um, went to Twitter, kind of shed some light on things that may or may not be happening. It wasn't very specific. That's the bummer about Twitter. I don't know if we'll get to talk to Josh anytime soon, but um, what's his beef right now? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, we saw the tweet that said something about the schools not helping, but he's seeing other schools helping um, with the NIL stuff. And again, I don't think the, the, the rules say they should not help. I think they will not help. Uh, there's pretty limited in their scope of what they're actually allowed to help with. Um, but I, I, we're not sure what his specific beef is but it's it it sounds like kind of extract from his comments that you know he feels like he's not getting enough help from wvu and as as noted on the board by by you uh that maybe that the school can't help and if he doesn't know that the school can't help that's also not good so it's a question of what's going on here some communication issues um something that needs to be made clear about what the school can and can't do and if they can do it, I, I would hope that they are doing it. Yes, and that's that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing. That's the thing here because I talked to coaches and I talked to different people in the athletic department, and staffers throughout June before July first came up. I wrote about this a bunch, and this is the stuff we foreshadowed. But my my sense was that everybody I talked to did not think that they could help. They could be a third party where if someone came to, for example, Neil Brown and said, "Hey, I'd like to help your football team." then Brown could could deflect, redirect, whatever you want to say, to someone who could facilitate things. I don't think Neil Brown's going to restaurants and bars and car dealerships trying to get deals for his team, but if they came to him, he might be able to do that. I also don't think he can do that stuff. I think that's the thing that the university is frowning upon, is that the the coaches or anybody in the school going out and doing that. I know that football, and I believe basketball, has somebody who's running point on that stuff, but is that person going out and doing stuff and lining up deals Oh, and here's the other issue, too. All the big splashes, Texas A&M, Miami, um, Arkansas, the things that have been really cool where it comes to an association with the school or an affiliation with a booster or a media organization, the stuff that's going to be high dollar, high exposure, that's happening on social media. And where do you see this stuff? You're seeing it on social media. Where are players hanging out and trying to promote themselves on social media? Um, It's a small number. It's a small number. And 
because they're exposed to Twitter and Instagram and these people who have these cool things that they can show off. Hey, I'm getting $10,000 from a booster. I'm getting $10,000 from a media organization. I'm getting whatever it is from a barbecue restaurant in, um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's it. That's what they see because that's where they're sharing it and spreading it. And I think they think because they're online, they're supposed to get that because they play college football or basketball. They should get that. Or they're thinking that the schools are involved in helping it. I think some schools are definitely more active than others, but they're allowed to. West Virginia's policy doesn't really say they can or they can't. It says that they'll provide student athletes with education regarding what financial literacy, brand building, and educational workshops, but it doesn't say they're going to go out and shop for them. But um, that's a big disconnect. Like if players here are here, what, almost three weeks past the starting line, and they're not getting help, but they're also not getting any attention. They're going to they're gonna be frustrated about that, especially when they see other people benefiting. Was there a communication gap there? Was there a lost in translation problem perhaps? Who knows? We'll see. But I go back to what I talked about, I don't know, a week or so, not even a week after July 1. I think a lot of schools are going to just sit in their hands and hope this fizzles out and that players, again, that they just kind of say, well, it was fun, it didn't work, or, well, I got some money and I got this one thing that I can ride out for a while. And the teams and the coaches and the administrators are going to say, all right, back to football, back to basketball, back to gymnastics, back to swimming and diving, whatever. Um, if you if you pour gas in the fire, it's going to burn longer. And if you back away from the fire, it might flame out. And then, then you have to focus on what you know and what matters most because ultimately how you play is going to matter toward your name, image, and likeness most. And maybe coaches make that point. Um, hey, stop marketing yourself. Go score touchdowns, hit home runs, make three-pointers, whatever. That'll help you out the next time you go around doing this. That doesn't help anybody who's a senior, but how much of your roster is a senior, you know, maybe a quarter. You have three quarters of your roster who can get back to earth and then try to focus on what really matters, which is the sport. And being aggressively passive is is not a bad strategy if you're a coach. And I think that, that the, and this isn't specifically about Chandler Cimito, but the, our conversation went down this down this road of, I think it's it's a rude awakening for a lot of these guys that thought as soon as that bill passed, it was just, boom, six figures in my pocket, done, making money. Oh yeah. No. We we you and I talked on this podcast about this story that we found. This was several years ago and I actually just happened to find it while you're talking there. Uh what's it doesn't have a surprisingly doesn't have a date on this, but it's a few years old because it includes like Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State, and includes uh Inescu from the women's basketball player from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know those guys were just left last year, but it was According to their study, the athletes of any sport, of any school, anywhere in the country that would make the most money if name, image, and likeness were passed. Among the top 12 were two West Virginia gymnastics or gymnasts. No football players, no basketball players. Uh, you know, uh, in that top 12, there's three football players. That's it. Two two men's basketball players. That's it. You know, we're talking women's basketball. Gymnastics has four, five of the mm-hmm. top twelve, and only fourteen players out of the entire country. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of athletes. Fourteen. They projected to make six figures. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, the the people who are going to make money on this are going to be a handful of men's athletes, like football players, basketball players, 
Like, again, we're talking, I, I mentioned Justin Fields. Uh, they have Jake Fromm, the quarter, former quarterback from Georgia on there. Like, if you're talking, like, and Trevor Lawrence, like, it, you have to be at that level to make money from the football side of things. You're not, even starters, like a good starter, like Josh Chandler Smito is not going to make six figures unless he's doing something different, oh. special, unique. And, uh, you know, the, the two gymnasts from West Virginia that were on this list, uh, Fontaine and, uh, Chloe Clutchy, Clutchy. I'm not how, sure how to pronounce that, but both have enormous social media followings are, um, attractive athletes that would make money not from like endorsement deal or, you know, your traditional endorsement deals, but hey, wear this, you know, uh, workout outfit or these clothes on your social media, on your Instagram that has a hundred thousand followers and boom, they, they would make money that way. That's how they make money. They're not going to make money as even if you're like an all conference tight end at like a power five program, like it's just not, that's not big money. I, I, again, it, it's just, an, you're going to, I think the there's a disconnect between what the players think they're going to get and businesses that are looking at this and being like, wait, what's my benefit of this? Is that, I could spend money way better than that, than, than pay for that. So I think you're going to see kids, uh, kids, young men, player, young women, players, like, you know, make 20 bucks a cameo and 15 bucks a cameo for birthday parties and stuff like that. Work in camps for a couple hundred bucks or something like that. You're not going to see them make $200,000 to, you know, start hawking cars and stuff around town and, and wearing Nike clothes on their Instagram. You're just not going to see that very often. Let's uh, jump into the questions and answers here. The reason that we're actually here, but I want to transition out with a question to you and we can start here. Um, let's just stick with the two big sports, football, basketball. One answer for each team. Okay. If you're a proprietor of a business and you want to splash, right, who's the one person you're picking from the men's basketball team and who's the one person you're picking from the football team? Oh, man. So let me start with basketball because the, the answer is gone now, actually. Like if I was thinking about last year's team, and I think okay. you and I are thinking the same person, Jordan McCabe because he's personable He's a go-getter. He already had his podcast started. Like that, that's the avenue you would take, I would think, in order to get the most return on your investment, uh, there from a, as a business perspective. Agree. Um, current roster though. Current roster. Oh man. I'm trying to think of who, you know, who reaches that level. I mean, maybe Jalen Bridges. I don't know how that's well it. of a writer or talker he is. I mean, I feel like he's pretty personal. I feel like he can talk. Uh, you know, he, and when I say feel like he can talk, I mean, I feel like he is comfortable in situations where he has to speak in public, speak in front of large audiences. Also, um, not all state, players are like that. From, from the, the state, state, yeah. He'll get you a, a large contingent. And that's going to matter in West Virginia. Um, in a one of your own, so on and so forth, he can do stuff like that. I think that's the right answer there. He's he's media savvy. He he knows some people who know some things. That helps. Um, he's getting some help from the team already. That's not. I think that's the pick right now, sure. But here's the, now here's the issue. That's one out of, well, 14 Seem to be 15, we think. That's another story. But one out of 15, football's harder, and that's the problem here. You can associate one player with the team on football if it's a no-doubter, but I don't think West Virginia has that. And you're talking about 120 players. I can't pick one out for football. Can you? I, I think I'd stay in Fairmont. I'd go with Dante okay. Stills for a lot of the same. Again, I mean, I don't – I think it's a lot of it has to deal with that 
he's from right down the road. He's a legacy. Uh, you know who he is. And again, he's, it, that's not going to be all of it. There's a lot of kids that are from right down the road that are on the team, but haven't done anything yet. Uh, he's at least done something. I mean, I don't think it's, I, he would be my pick without I'm trying to think. Is there anybody like, again, I, I can't really think of anybody else that I would definitively take over him, but I mean, he's not somebody I'm going to throw a ton of money at. Mm-hmm. For that, but he would be my pick. Personality, pro prospects, high profile. That's probably yeah. the right one too. But you can invest in certain things too, like um Caden Prather. Like, what if he goes nuts and you're yeah. already in with him? Good. Uh Backup quarterbacks always popular. Garrett Green is not a guy we know a whole lot about, but I believe he's got some personality to him. Maybe there's something there. Jared Daigie's always going to be QB one. I shouldn't say always be QB one. Who knows, right? But he's going to have that profile as long as he's under center. That's good, but. Those are obvious picks that people are going to associate with. And then from there, you might have to wait a while to do stuff and try to figure out, you know, is it Winston Wright? Is it Doug Nestor? Um, is it, I don't know, Detroit Fortune would be a good one too just because he's a pretty bright kid who who could play well and kind of be a face of your defense if he, if he hits it. But um, you got guys like Bryce Ford Wheaton who are pretty conscious and smart about their social media, but is there an obvious one? No, that's hard to say. Um, yeah. Enough about that. Let's move on. People have questions. We might have answers. As always, we'll get as many as we can here in this mailbag. Chris will follow up and get the rest in written format. Take it away, Chris. Well, we picked, you just picked one for football, one for basketball for the NIL. How about this question from Captain Earfan 3? Pick one newcomer who will have the most impact for football in 2021 and basketball in 2021-22. Well... Basketball, it's easy. It's Malik Curry, right? Yeah. Okay. Especially, I think he, I don't know, he, he was teetering on the edge of being the one. And then when McBride confirmed that he was staying in the draft, he's definitively the one. Mm-hmm. And then it gets difficult. Like, there's another question. I don't, I don't want to answer this one, but I just, I just wonder how many freshmen are really going to make a splash. And then transfers, you know, not really one of them is in a major position. Except Doug Nestor, which is kind of easy, and that might be an, an even more obvious answer than Malik Curry. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it's got to be Nestor because I think that offensive line was a problem last year, and you bring Nestor in, whether you put him at guard or tackle, it's kind of that weakest link look at the offensive line. If you improve that one, that improves the next step. You know, He, he comes in and say he's your best offensive lineman. That makes – your previous best, your second best, and so on down the line, and all of a sudden your weakest link is stronger than it was, and the whole group is better. So I think uh, I think it's got to be him. Fair enough. Um, these are going to be focused for you. I won't I won't even chime in on this because I wasn't there. Uh, this one from the big dude, awesome name. What was the most surprising thing you heard or saw from Big Twelve Media Days, and have you changed your mind on any teams post Media Day? The vaccination stuff from Bob Bowlesby was kind of arresting to me, and I've, I've written about this phenomenon before, but he, for some reason, is the guy who gets headlines every year in the the media day parade. And I don't know if it's because the Big 12 sometimes, and I should say more often than not, goes first. It seems like every year they're the first conference to go, as far as like a major conference for sure. I think they're the first one, period, this year. Um, and also he's he's not afraid to say stuff that has to be said. He's got like a, a position of authority um, he's a smart guy. He's well-respected in the industry. So privilege, responsibility, you know how that goes. But 
the fact that like you're not going to get the rescheduled games, it sounds like, and if you're below the threshold, you you forfeit, you lose. I think those thresholds are going to be adjusted. I don't think it's going to be as as um, I don't know difficult or as easy to meet. Whatever you know, what I'm saying like you could. It was easier last year to postpone a game because of the threshold than it will be this year. I think they're going to raise the standards and make it harder. How about that? Make it harder to have to delay a game. But if you have to delay, you're going to cancel. You're going to forfeit the game. That's going to be a loss. I was surprised to hear that. That's a week ago now. We've had a lot of conversations since then where, yeah, it makes more sense, but the push on vaccinations and the or else, like, or else you're going to forfeit games at that time on Wednesday morning, that was surprising to me. It still is now because it was so strong. And again, that's not definitive about the cancellation, but that seems to be like the way the major conferences are going, and these conferences typically go in lockstep when it comes to that. Um, and I just, I was surprised that West Virginia was kind of like as as afterthoughtish in some conversations. I'm sure you're looking for a West Virginia angle here too, but I don't think you saw a lot of respect for the players on the preseason conference teams, or maybe the positional strength or positional potential. And you know, just talking to people I talked to there, you know. Is is next year the year? Is, is you know what'll be what'll they be like when they get these recruits in twenty three? A lot of people weren't talking about twenty one. And then have I changed my mind on any teams? I'm I'm less hot on on anybody getting into the top two. It just seems like it's so Oklahoma and Iowa State. Um, but the the teams that I'm sure people want to know about that I talk about, like I think TC is going to be good, and I can see Baylor being a surprise team. I'm not sure TC is going to win the conference. I'm not sure Baylor is going to get into the top three. But those are two teams that I can see a lot of potential for that maybe others don't. Um, I just like what TCU brings back and like the fact that they're going to have good receivers that they didn't have last year for the full season. They finally have a quarterback who's coming back for the first time in four years, I believe. Their defense is always going to be good. I like it. I just think it's a good chance. And I just don't agree with some of the drawbacks on Baylor. Like People don't like Baylor's receivers. I think they're pretty good. Their defense is going to be very good. Um, a defense with an offense and an offense kind of led by a defensive inclined coach. That can be tricky, but that's a model they can play with. They got to get the quarterback. That's a huge if, but if they get that right, I can see them being a team that surprises. Do we do this every year with TCU? I mean, I don't. I was. I'm always wrong with them. I, I was not <laughs> high on them last year. Um, I know you were, and, and other people were too. It's a dark horse kind of candidate. Other people are are doing that again this year. And I was thinking, man, I feel like we do this every year. Why do we do this every year? And I'm looking at their year-by-year record for the last few years. Now, 2017, awesome, 11-3, and three, pretty darn good. Top 10 finish for the season, deservedly so. Um, 16, 18, 19, and 20. 24, 11, 17, 24, and 24. And Patterson's career, if you look at his, his year-by-year, he's elastic. They'll, they'll have a down year, and they win 10 or 11 games next year. That hasn't happened lately. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, you go back four and eight and 13 and then 12 and one and 14, five and six going back further than that went, uh, 11 and one the year after that, six and six and then went 10 and two. So you're right. But yeah, the last four of the last five years, he's won five, six or seven games. The last three years, he's gone seven and six, five and seven and six and four. Um, so in, in, I know Max Duggan, Duggan, Duggan. Duggan? Going Duggan? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, he drives me nuts because I was so high on him. I thought he was like the guy that was going to save that program last year. And you see it a couple games, and then a couple games he is terrible. Absolutely Charles Barkley level terrible. 
and it just drives me nuts. I can't. It's it's difficult to watch. I feel like he's not. I feel like he's not progressing in the passing game. Um, and and the running game is only going to get you so far if you're not like he's very good as a runner. But you, if if you're going to rely solely on your feet, you need to be Pat White level good running. Um, if you can be very good rushing and very good passing, that's something else too. But I don't think he's very good passing yet, which is what's keeping them from kind of making that next leap. You're not impressed by three of eleven for 96 yards and three touchdowns against Kansas. I am not, and and, and maybe again, it's an amazing this is, day. <laughs> it, this is uh, again a lot of this. We talked about this with the Big 12. You kind of, I don't want to say you get you know focused solely on what you did, you, you know, or or your team or what like that, but you do kind of notice not just your team, but the how guys perform when the team you cover plays them. And West Virginia's kind of owned TCU mm-hmm. recently. So I, I not I, – I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of be sold on that. What was it? Last year was uh, a blowout. The year before that was a blowout. Um, was 18 a blowout too? Like, Or no, what, the year before was kind of close. 19 was close. 18 was the blowout. And last year was a blowout. So I'm just not – I'm not buying the TCU stock that everybody's trying to to pump up right now. Well, don't forget, he had a heart condition. They weren't even sure he's going to play again. Right. And then he missed, like, all the preseason. And then you actually know he's starting against Iowa State, which is not fun. No. Um, so that's that's prohibitive, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. he played he played okay. I just think having him back is going to be a big deal, too. Zach Evans, remember that story? He's mm-hmm. back. I mean, he was like a five-yard-per-carry guy last year. And then I, the receivers are going to be good. Like, J.D. Spielman's this, like, super slot guy from Nebraska who just didn't play last year because he was hurt. Um, they have – I'm trying to think of the guy's name now. I voted for him. I can't remember his name now. Um, receiver is – is it Quentin Johnson? Quentin Johnson, yeah. Um, it's like an all-conference kind of guy. Uh, Tay Barber's still there. I just think – and then he's healthy again. He missed some time last year. Uh, Johnson played just a little bit because he was a true freshman. He took over at the end of the season. I just think that that's going to lift the play of Dugan, Duggan, whatever. And then the threat of his run is always going to be there. But they they were a mess in the line. Their line should be better because they'll be healthy and back. Like they they had COVID problems like everybody else. But the quarterback thing I get because the numbers are the numbers. Like again, three for eleven isn't good. You know, ten for twenty six isn't good. But he hits big plays. He can run. And I just think like a full off season healthy. With guys who are coming back, that that's going to help. You have to couch so much stuff everywhere. I get that because of COVID, but that's a team that certainly was affected. But they get a lot of the players back too. They should be better. Mike, how much uh, nil money did you get from Horn Frog, Frog Blitz, our TCU site? <laughs> just just curious. Like, they pay for that? Is that a, do you, we have to disclose all paid advertisements, Michael? So. You should. You have. To. <laughs> you should. Yeah. You should disclose. Um, all right, moving on. Focusing more on West Virginia here uh, instead of our TCU Homer uh, comrade over here. Uh, from Lighten, thoughts on Parker's tenure so far, Jared Parker, both coaching and recruiting. And then uh, is Soraka our offensive coordinator next year? Let's let's take the first part with on wild. Parker. This is wild. I had to go figure out what people were talking about here. Um, and I, this has to do with a thread about, I'm not sure who, but suggested that Soraka would be the offensive coordinator next year because Parker would be a head coach somewhere else. Right away, I can't get there. 
just hard for me to answer that question because the first part of my question is that like he's been okay so far, but what about that offense last year um, made you go, ooh, that's a head coach? And I understand that he's got a resume so far, and one year shouldn't hurt that or help that. But you know, if you're going to take him, you're going to take him because you like the body of work and not that you were discouraged by 2020 or encouraged by 2021. But I still think you have to do something. And last year was his first year as a full blown offensive coordinator. Spent six games as a head coach in interim capacity in Purdue, but he was 0-6. Are you going to put all those losses on him? No. Purdue was a mess that season. I get it. But I, I just don't see him in a head coach's chair right now. So I wouldn't say that Turok is the offensive coordinator next year. I think he's been okay. I think that I'm not sure how much hand-holding there was last year, but you know he didn't call plays, and that might be because Brown wanted to know what he got. And like, hey, let's continuously evaluate things. What would, what would you have called in this situation? What would you have done better? A lot of your offseason is stuff like that. You know, you talk to your play caller or your offensive coordinator, I should say, if you're Neil Brown, and you say, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? What can we do better? What should we not do anymore? And that's that's natural from year one to two. Does, does Parker get more in year two? Sure. I, to say this was supposed to be a, a stunning success in year one and set Parker up where he could use this as a catapult to a job, I think is unfair to Parker. Recruiting, you can answer that better than I can. Um, I know he's recruited on a high level before. I know he was largely responsible for Wyatt Milam, right? But uh, he was involved there and Prather. He was, he was definitely involved with Prather. Yeah. So what do you think there? Um, I think he's doing well recruiting. He seems to connect with a lot of players. We saw him very busy with a lot of players uh, throughout the camp season. Um, it, it's it's strange to be trying to put you know create a report card for him here. Like when, when did he get announced? Like January, yeah. February, um, and then like a month later, uh, pandemic strikes and he's not allowed to visit recruits. He's can't even coach his own team. Like you know, it's like, hey, why do the oh the wide receivers are dropping the ball? Uh, Blaine Parker and it's like, well, and I know I've said this on here before, but the vast majority of the teaching, the, the teaching and the coaching and improvement comes during the spring and the summer and he couldn't do anything last year literally was not allowed to meet with these guys coach these guys teach these guys at all so i think try like you know for me it's an incomplete like you can't really grade him because he hasn't really been given an opportunity to do much of anything now this offseason he has you know he was out there all spring long at a full spring football season uh, he's going to get summer workouts in. He's going to be able to work with the team, you know, all the way up until the start of the season. So I think now this coming year, this is when you can really start uh, grading him. This is this goes back to your your grudge against year zero and year zero 2.0 kind of stuff. But it's hard to say uh, he can't coach when he wasn't able to coach. Oh, how's his right. recruiting? when his recruiting was via Zoom for a year. So um, I think it's even with the, the those hurdles, I, he seems to be doing well with recruiting. And coaching, we'll find out this fall. I, I don't think we can really judge him on last year. Yep. Now, the thing is that you might see a ton of mid-major jobs open up. And then, again, a guy who's been known for a while in, in certain areas, whatever, who's been a major conference who has some had coaching experience, has been a coordinator in the FBS for two years, Listen, if they go up 10 points a game in the offense and the receivers are better, sure. But, like, just for me to sit there right now and say that because you don't know what you don't know, it's kind of hard. Could it happen? Absolutely. It, it'd be Parker, great for the school if it did, but I just don't know that's going to happen. 
Sorry, is Parker's contract up after this year? I think he has three years, right? Okay, he has three years. So let me kind of revise the question and turn it around to in 2023. So that would be, yeah, 21-22. That would be the end of his contract. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, he is, he is a two-year deal. Okay, well, I think one way or another, um, Soraka's not going to be in that analyst role long. I think we've seen this before, and that's not to say anything about him or WPU. That's just kind of where these analyst roles are typically for coaches that are still trying to coach. They're they're placeholders. That's what they are, to keep them busy, to keep their mind sharp, to do work until they find their next job. And I think for him, offensive coordinator coordinator seems like the, the next step for him. And it could be at West Virginia if Parker goes somewhere. Again, we don't know if that's going to happen that quickly. Uh, but if it's not at West Virginia, I'm certain that some opportunities will open up for him elsewhere. Like it, it, it's astonishing to me that his star would fall that fast. I mean, we're only what two years removed from, uh, well, I guess three from him being the hottest name as a coordinator when he was up in Minnesota. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to tell me he can't find an offensive coordinator job after um, taking this time as an analyst. I, I don't believe it. So I, th- I think he'll be an offensive coordinator somewhere within the next couple of years. And if Parker's gone, then I, th- I think it would be Soraka at West Virginia because, as as you first reported two years ago, whenever that was that it all happened, you know, he was in the mix yeah. for that offensive coordinator position at West Virginia when he was still in Minnesota. Went to Penn State and said, right. kind of a, you'll take yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah. That happens. It's a, he, he's a name, but you find this a lot with coordinators. Um, and this is nothing against Rock. I don't really know him that well. But to do it, you know, in the Ivies and the FCS, so you're going to, you separate yourself from the crowd if you're an, if you're an advanced level coach there. Um, what was promising for him is that he always succeeded. And I want to say he was at Rutgers for a time too. And uh, I want to say like late in the big East and, and Rutgers was good. Um, yeah, 2008 to 2010, um, worked there and they had good receivers at that time. And he's always been a receivers coach or quarterback coach throughout his career, but offensive coordinator, quarterback coach there, they were good on offense and he was the reason why. Um, and then Western Michigan, which is a different set of circumstances, they were gangbusters there. And then Minnesota, it was good. So he kept going up and up and up. So it's a guy who distinguished himself where you probably should if you're going to be a good coach. And I did it again. I'm just curious, like, what the heck happened at Penn State? Um, and, again, is that all on him? Is that a COVID thing, too? Because they were awful. And then they were excellent. And then you get split opinions on what happened there. Were they awful and then excellent? And then there was some sort of a delineation of his role in the offense, and that's why it got better. I've heard that before. They started to do things differently. But he's always been a running guy, and they started to run the ball really well. Um just so strange they made that change so suddenly. And that's that's kind of a hard thing to look past. You know, was it accurate? Was it right? I'm not sure. But that's something I need to investigate more. Maybe there's a story out there to be told. But um, that's his latest thing. What have you done for me lately? That's not great. So, yeah, the rehab he can do at West Virginia. And if he gets on the sideline again, you know, could he be a quarterback's coach or a receiver's coach here? Sure. Could he be offensive coordinator? Probably. But there, there's certainly a, a chance for him to catch on here, if not somewhere else, too. All right, we're approaching an hour again. Great, um, two questions. <laughs> um, 
But this one, I mean, this was obvious podcast bait, so I think we have to we have to take it. Uh, it's a two-parter from 2146 year. First part, if you had the chance of plugging in Skylar Howard into this offense and cutting Daigie, would you? Yes. Is, is, is this thing on? <laughs> I, I need an explanation. What What does this offense lack? And you could give and me, mobility. You could give me skills. You could say Skylar Howard. Um, I'm not saying you would dial up Skylar Howard, but like I can't get past that. What Brown is talking about is what Howard was good at. And did Howard have his shortcomings? Yeah. But if you were going to have one or the other here, you would have a guy who can be really accurate on the short stuff, the mesh and play okay against the zone and not make a lot of mistakes. And you give me a guy who could hit you deep balls and be mobile. What would you take for the 21 season? You would take the guy who can hit the deep balls and be mobile. Howard wasn't the best short intermediate guy. And by the way, he had great targets for deep balls that helped a lot, (laughs) but he could throw it. Um, And, and that dude was a gamer uh, he got hit. He got back up. He played hard. He played with the chip on his shoulder. Um, I don't know that. I don't know what Daigie's competitive streak is like. The whole going gets tough thing. But the fact that I don't know means maybe you do know. And I don't know. I just I, I know that about Howard, having seen him. So if the question is, would you take that guy? I would take him over Daigie. You are not wrong. Yes. I th- and I, although I, th- I I do think it's a little bit of a. Like, uh, which which way do you want to go with this? Because Skylar Howard was not perfect. Uh, let's get out of the way. Neither is Jared Daigie. Uh, very few quarterbacks are. But they are, I feel like, about as polar opposites of what they're good at as you could possibly find in two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, again, Skylar Howard can is, is very mobile, and he could throw the deep ball. I don't think his his medium medium accuracy was very good. I think some of his decision making was not great, but he was a gamer and he moved well and he threw it deep. And so the question is, would you rather have somebody who can move well and throw it deep with this offense or would you rather have Daigie who can kind of hit that medium stuff and the underneath stuff but is not very mobile and, and struggles with the deep ball? And I think the answer is you want the deep ball and you want the mobility. So I think the answer is yes. You want Skylar Howard in this offense if you had to choose between the two. Again, a leader too. Like, like I'm not sure that Howard was the leader, but that there was there was a grit to that quarterback position that was there. Um, he won over a lot of fans entering the circumstances he did in the 2014 season and playing the way he did, and that kind of got him situated. Um, I think Diggy did something similar, so that's a that's a fair parallel. But I also think we kind of diminish some of what Howard did too. Howard threw 24 interceptions in two years. I don't think that Daigie has 24 in his entire career right now. But RPO stuff, just freezing the defense, um, creating space with, with you know what you can do with your legs is is really good. I just, you know, the he could throw it 30 something times a game and it was okay. I think I mean 31 31 for his career average. Daigie's a little bit higher than that so far. I think he was about what 38 last year. So you're going to have a guy who can throw it too. He never got hurt. I mean, he played hard. I just 
maybe maybe it's a, a kind of a glorification here, and it's not accurate. But I just think saying deep balls and mobility kind of limits what Howard did. He could do no huddle stuff. He could. I mean, it was a new offense. He did okay in it. You know, he learned it. But the RPOs, which is going to be a part of this offense, the deep balls, the fact that that he kind of had a toughness in that position for um you know for an offense that needs that that that. That offense didn't come through in some tough spots last year and didn't respond. And I'm not saying that'll happen again this year, but it's a heck of a lot easier if you got someone who's going to grab you by the face mask or is going to pick himself up off the ground. I think there's a lot more to Howard than his deep balls and mobilities. I'm not saying it's a huge gap in those areas between he and Daggy. I just know that Howard has that advantage. All right. That leads us to this question. Also from 2146 year. Is Skylar Howard the fourth best quarterback for WVU? <laughs> Ever. Okay. He follows it by saying statistically no, but 10 and 3 while in the Big 12 trumps anything Bolger and Greer put together and is still more wins than Hostetler or Luck had in a year, although they played one last game. Michael, top four all time quarterback at WVU? Gino Smith isn't even included in that conversation there, right? Not in the question he asked. I think right. I'm, a, I'm guessing he's assuming Gino okay. and Pat White are, you know, and major, I mean that's one, two, three. I, I, <laughs> I was gonna say. And right. by the way, the guy whose number they're retiring. <laughs> yeah, so one, two, three, is right there. So I think Smith, Pat White, Major Harris. The, the we all agree that's one, two, three, right? Like yeah, we're not. So, okay. so you're competing for the fourth, and then I, I would imagine Hostetler has an edge. Greer would be up there. Uh, I mean, Rasheed Marshall, don't, don't sleep on Rasheed Marshall. Bolger. Bolger's really hard to take out of it. Um, boy, that's a great question. Man, you're thinking about this a lot. Who's the Rushmore quarterback here? Who's the fourth one? Um, and that's the other thing, too. If you projected, I'm trying to think here, like, if he could he do, man. Bolger's senior year was really abbreviated. I forgot about that. Rasheed Marshall. This is tough. This would be a great conversation. I don't want to answer this. I want someone else to answer this for me. <laughs> is like, Would Marshall be up there in your four? He would for me, yeah. I don't know if he'd be four, but he's he'd be in the conversation for me just as much as, as Oliver Luck. And um, I think, you know, again, uh, he's he's – the the question from 2146 year seems to really kind of put an emphasis on also wins, which of course is important. Um, and and maybe Marshall isn't up there with that, but that's not Marshall's fault. I mean, Marshall they basically just said we're completely rebuilding this program, changing the entire offense, and you're taking it from scratch. So to kind of hold his win loss record during his time there against him, uh, I think is a disservice to what he did. Um, well, they won 25 games with him. Yeah, but oh one was well oh one he didn't even hardly play so yeah, kind of focus on two three yeah, and nine four. And four eight and five eight and four yeah I mean you're talking sixty nine mm. touchdowns seventy five hundred yards of offense rushing and passing um and then really got the program on track I, that's that's pretty good say it Michael say Rasheed Marshall say Rasheed Marshall is on the Mount Rushmore quarterback say it he's fourth there. <laughs> It's if we started off this conversation with Rashid Marshall as the fourth best quarterback in school history, 
I would have said you're crazy, but it's it's the more you think about it, the more you kind of put that emphasis on they won when he played, and it really it really turned that off. You're right, like it, it was almost like a, a table setter for the 05, 06, 07, like really the whole rest of the decade. And, and you know he wasn't on the team, so you can only get so much credit. But he kind of showed that it could work. And I don't know how much weight you can give that, but it's something. It's it's not nothing. Mm-hmm. The thing about Greer <laughs> is that he never played in the bowl game, right? Right. Just two seasons, never played in a bowl game, and it didn't – I mean, one time by choice, one time by injury. But, again, it's – I don't know how much you can hold that against him, but it's still what – okay, you have the, the Texas win, right? That's obviously a huge one. The, the wild shootout where he hits Jennings in the back of the end zone, but – What's his other? What's his other big win? Yeah, uh, well, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, he really could make a case for Rashid just for longevity, you know, ascent of the program, accomplishments. They had some big wins those years. Um, I mean, they did hammer Tennessee. I'm speaking of West Virginia. Um, The Texas win was good. I think the thing for me that that really kind of hurts the Will Greer argument is. When they won, I mean, not that he, it was, it wasn't, he didn't play well, but he, cause he did. But when they lost, I feel like it was definitively on him. Like I remember like a Oklahoma State game where he fumbled multiple yep. times, turned it over a couple times, and that was a very winnable game. Um, and, and it was kind of like, which of these games was it like, wow, West Virginia only won that game because of Will Greer. Otherwise, they lost. And, you know, I'm looking through that schedule in 2018, and that Oklahoma State game, yeah, that cost them a shot. Um, and I think they won that Texas game because of him, uh, the wild, the shootout that we talk, keep talking about. But a lot of these others were blowouts, and he was terrible in the loss to Iowa State. Um, he was pretty darn bad in at least one of those Oklahoma State games, maybe both of them. Um, so it, it's it's tough to kind of put him in that top four. And hard to jump Rasheed Marshall. If you had to pick one guy at his peak to quarterback your team, you're in a contract year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. You might put Greer above Yeah, a lot of them, though. A lot, yeah. Even for the reasons you just you just explained, like was he there when it mattered? Did he play in big games? That they have great wins? No, but you knew he could play the position competently. You would probably pick him before Howard, wouldn't you? Yes. What a conversation. <laughs> a lot of nuance in here. Maybe. <laughs> Never thought this. How much nuance can there be when Mike is exclaiming Rasheed Marshall number four? Are you ready to move him up to number three now that you've no. thought about it some more? No, 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 no. He's there. He's he's. I'll have this conversation with people, but you could really make an argument. He's he's one of your Rushmore heads for sure. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. All right. <laughs> Anything else? No, I need to recover from this conversation, I think. Okay. Yeah, and again, I'll, I'll take it. We had a lot of questions. You guys were itching to ask a lot of questions, and Mike and I were itching to just ramble on, so we didn't get to all of them or even very many of them, but I will address the rest of them in the mailbag answer them and put it up on the site either later this evening or very first thing Wednesday morning. I just want to point out one question before we go. We don't have to answer it. This is from Obro. 
WVU goes ten and two or better in twenty twenty two. How much would WVU be able to pay to keep Brown? Uh, go for it, Mike. He's all you. <laughs> like he's making a lot of money that year, anyways. Like, would you tear up the contract and do it again in the second year of his new deal? Uh, I love that people are this excited about having football back. It's a good question to think about, but man, it's so far away, and there's so many things that have to happen before then. My my answer would be like, I mean, they're they're paying him almost four and a half million that year. I think could they do that again? I mean, what would you go higher than that? That's crazy if you think about it. Yeah, and. Crazy. Again, what's the um, you pay him four, four and a half, whatever it was? Like, is somebody going to come in and pay more than six and a six? Because sorry, three and a half. Did I say four and a half. Three, sorry, yeah, three and a half. So, is somebody going to come in and pay more than five? Because I think you get to a point, and I'm not trying to like this is a lot of money that we're talking about here, but in the grand scheme of things, and everything that West Virginia has doing. What's an extra one million dollars a year? I, I take put it into context here of what we're talking about and the scope and the budget of an athletic department and the amount of money a school has. What's an extra one million dollars a year? Like, you know, I, I don't think it'll happen. They're not going to, like you said, tear it up after two years and do another new contract. But I, I think you could easily see West Virginia getting into the upper mid to upper fours if they absolutely have to. Um, but I'm not sure they have to. So. I'm just absolutely not answering this question. But the 2022 year is really interesting because I'm pretty sure I have this right. That's the year from 22 to 23 that his salary jumps half a million dollars. So he'll make 3.1 this year. 3.15 this year. Here we go. He'll make 3.15 this year. His salary jumps to 3.5 in 22. So that's $350,000. And then because a lot of people think that if the recruiting works out and continuity in the roster works out, they could be very good in 22. His salary jumps half a million from 22 to 23. That's not accidental. Um, because after that, 100,000, 100,000, 200,000, those are the bumps. So listen, if this guy's climbing and you think that he's recruiting and working well and he's got a chance to have an older roster the next two years, they've already built in that, that contingency for a bidding war with teams. Trouble is, is 3.5 is 4 million enough. I don't know. Also to that, if I'm giving him more money, he's giving me more money on the buyout too. Yeah. The buyouts are very strange and that's kind of a polarizing thing with people, but like, sure, I'll give you more money, but if you leave, you're not making me look bad. You're not making me look like I could have done more. I'm doing a lot. But you're giving me money to go to. Right. And that's not going to stop Brown from going because it's not going to stop a school from paying him, but that school to pay him to come here to their school is going to pay West Virginia more than what is in that contract now, if you're asking me. And again, I'm not answering this question. I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it, Chris. I think you already did. I didn't know. <laughs> I love it. It's almost here. Everybody's back and excited again. We're we're not crazy, but we're crazy about the start of the season. This is terrific. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I I it kind of shocked me the other day when I saw the the 50 days left graphic from WV. I was like, oh, holy crap! We really are that close. We're we're getting there. I love it. All right. Well, we'll get together sometime soon and do more of this. Uh, it felt good to get these out of our system again. Um, plenty more coming on the site. Facility tour today. Yeah. Make ready. sure you get some uh, some good picks, Mike. You can. I I think last time when they were doing the upgrades, uh, that that photo gallery you took a uh, hundred pictures of the bathroom. Make sure. Oh yeah. Wait. Make <laughs> sure you get some video from inside the uh, indoor practice facility. Some more pictures of the faucets. Uh, the fans are clamoring for it. All right. Well, if you ask, I'll deliver.
<laughs> Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.